This is a talk about going from you and the size of you up to the size of the biggest things in the universe. So I want you to think about how tall you are, um, just to start off. Um, and here's how tall people are on average. Grown-ups are on average uh, 1.75 metres tall for men and 1.62 metres tall for women. So 1.75 metres, um, just in case metres don't mean much to you, that's 3.83 cubits if you're an Egyptian, um, and 5.74 feet if you're a metric imperialist. Um, 1.62 metres is 5.4 light nanoseconds. Uh, that's the distance light travels in a nanosecond. And 0 0.008 furlongs. So I hope everyone's in sync. You live on a planet called Earth, um, and you live on the surface of this planet, which is very much bigger than any of you. So the diameter of planet Earth is 12,742 kilometers, and it's 40,000 kilometers all the way around. So if you could drive all the way around Earth in your combination car slash um, hovercraft slash aeroplane slash boat, um, then it would be a very long way. Uh, but you're not drawn to scale on here. In fact, um, where we live in the troposphere is on the surface of the Earth, and everything from you to the top of the sky is about 20 kilometers. So you're in a tiny, tiny, thin membrane clinging to the surface of the planet. Everything you know and experience happens in this this tiny, tiny, tiny thread. It's, if the planet was a beach ball about this big, it would be a millimeter. Everything you've ever experienced, which is kind of wonderful. But we've done some cool stuff as a species. Um, we've put this thing in orbit, um, also very much not drawn to scale. Um, the International Space Station has taken years and years and years to get to its current state. Um, and it orbits around the Earth just slightly above the troposphere that we all live in. So, in the last scale, where it was a millimetre above the beach ball, uh, the ISS orbits almost a centimetre above the beach ball. So it's still actually not in space. But the International Space Station is an amazing place, and it gives us um, a perspective that we don't get normally. Uh, people on the International Space Station appear weightless, not because they're actually weightless in the sense of being far away from the Earth, such that they don't feel any gravity, but they're actually constantly in free fall around the planet. You imagine just falling, but in such a way that you follow the curvature of the Earth and you never hit the ground. And it does that all the way around, that 40,000 kilometers all the time. It takes an hour and a half to go around. And these images are taken from it in time lapse. You can see aurora there in green in the top edge. You can see the cities below and the clouds um, just above them. You occasionally see lightning, flurries and flurries of lightning storms happening. And there are dozens of these videos on the internet now that have all been produced by stitching together just normal DSLR camera photographs taken from the space station. Um, I'm afraid I'm going to skip on to the next slide. Um, the International Space Station, though, is not technically in space, depending on your definition of space. Um, it actually feels the drag of the air still at that height and has to boost itself up periodically in order to stay up. And that doesn't feel like space to me. So we've actually sent 24 people exactly into space. Um, they, all, uh, they all went to the moon. Uh, and they did so back in the 60s and 70s. The last ones returned in 1972. Um, they were all men. They were all white. And they were all American. 
And we can definitely do better than that. Um, I know we can do better than that. I believe we can do better than that. Um, but we just haven't chosen to do so yet. We need to come up with a better reason. Um, impending war with a massive super state on the other side of the world is America's reason. I think we've probably got a better one now. But when those people went there, they, they were very kind and they took some pictures, um, which was nice for us because it meant that we could see our planet from the outside for the first time. Um, the moon is this sort of barren place. It's the second brightest thing in the night sky. Um, but it's nice that we got to see some pictures of what we look like from there. The Earth and the moon uh, are separated by about uh, 240,000 miles, 384,000 kilometers. Uh, that's kind of the, the setup to scale. But there's a very cool thing I learned about this the other day. Um, you can fit all the planets in the solar system exactly with just a few thousand miles to spare in the gap between the Earth and the Moon. So you can literally line everything up. Um, you could probably fit most of their moons in, I guess. Uh, you wouldn't have much room left. The planets are pretty cool, and we just heard a talk about planets, but they're nothing compared to the Sun. The Sun is truly huge. You can fit the Earth inside the Sun a million times. And it has more than enough room, this is to scale, has more than enough room for all the planets and then some. Uh, you can fit all the planets in multiple times, in fact. The Sun itself sits 93 million miles away, and that means that it takes light eight minutes to get from the Sun to the Earth. So if the Sun uh, went out, and if it had gone out 7.9 minutes ago, you would only find out about now. But we're okay, because nothing's happened. Um, it's a very cool place in the sense that it's a very hot place. And there's a very active surface on the sun and atmosphere. And we're studying it in immense detail. The sun has this incredible effect on planet Earth. Those 93 million miles are nothing to the sun, as you'll have noticed from the, the picture to scale. And things like the aurora, the northern lights, are caused by the sun and, and other effects as well. But we're very cool. We, we've been out into the solar system. And we've sent robots far, far out to all those planets, away from the sun as well. And they've taken pictures for us. And sometimes we take extremely long-range selfies using these robots. Uh, so this is a selfie from the orbit of Mars. And that's the Earth as a pixel or two in, in the night sky. So just as you can stand on the surface of Earth, look out and see Jupiter, Mercury, the Moon, of course, because it's closer, but even more distant planets as well, we can see Earth when we go to places like Mars. My favorite picture, though, in this category is definitely this one. This is a picture from behind Saturn, taken by the Cassini mission. So you're now looking toward everything else in the solar system from behind the planet. And on this picture, although you probably can't see it in this lighting, is the Earth. Let me just zoom in on it for you. It's that dot in the middle there. That's the Earth and the Moon. And if you really zoom in on that picture, you can make out that it's not just one dot, it's two dots, because it's the Earth and the Moon together. If that picture doesn't put you in your place, then there's a few more slides that might. This picture is taken from uh, out beyond the orbit of Pluto. Uh, and it's the Earth again, that little dot there. And we're now at the point where we're so far away from the Sun that it's just like another star in the sky, a bright star, but it's getting very, very remote. And these pictures earned the title, uh, this picture particularly, in fact, earned the title Pale Blue Dot to describe planet Earth. But all those pictures sort of sum it up in that way. So the sun at this point is a me merely a very faint star, but 
Although we see it every day, the sun is actually not that impressive. The sun compared to other stars is actually pretty normal, but there are many, many stars much bigger than the sun. So if you're starting to feel a bit queasy at this point, that's because you've noticed that everything you know and love that is sourced by this glowing orb in the sky is dwarfed by stars like Rigel, which you can see in the night sky, it's in Orion, uh, and, and several of these others. Let's carry on to uh, Antares A, you can see that one as well in the night sky. Um, and the, the king of them all <laughs> is one called uh, V.Y. Canis Majoris, which is this red hypergiant, which is one billion times bigger than the sun, which means you can fit the Earth inside it one million billion times, which is just phenomenal. Anyway, going back to making you feel tiny, um, if we imagine that this is the sun, the sun and all those stars are part of something called the Milky Way. So we orbit in this galaxy of, of hundreds of billions of stars. And if we take the sun there and we shrink it down to the size of a red blood cell, then the galaxy is the size of Europe. Okay? So all those stars are now just infinitesimal specks on a huge map. And they sort of swirl around. They have this center of gravity in the middle. There's a huge black hole in the middle of the Milky Way. And it's really strange though. If you took two Milky Ways and you smashed them together, nothing would actually smash into anything else. They're so diffuse and empty. There's so much space between all the stars that no two stars would probably hit each other if you took two Milky Ways and smashed them into each other. It's a bit like taking two clouds of smoke. And what you're seeing here is a simulation of two galaxies colliding. This is uh, a simulation of the Milky Way and the Andromeda galaxy, which you can just about see in the night sky, uh, although only from a very dark site. Um, and they are on a collision course. So this one other galaxy, you can only see one with the naked eye, that you, is coming toward us. And in four billion years, the two of them will collide and begin to merge into one new object. But in the run-up to that, um, the sky will be spectacular. These are some uh, simulations of Andromeda coming toward us. You're sort of going across and down here. The two of them will collide. They'll begin to intertangle. They'll create these fantastic night sky vistas. Um, and if I could have a time machine right now and go forward and see something, I'd probably try and see this. Four billion years, so if you've got plans for then, clear them. Um, and in the end, I, this is just one of the most spectacular things I can think of. This will happen before the sun dies. Um, and of course, the sun may or may not be affected by the collision because it probably will be fine. So these are two galaxies. Um, and I'm sorry to say that uh, they're not very unusual either. There's lots of galaxies in the universe. This is a, a fly-through of the Sloan Digital Sky Survey. This is um, one of the best-known 3D maps of the universe that we have. Um, these galaxies, uh, some of them are spirals like the ones we just saw, some of them are elliptical galaxies. Uh, they sort of form these structures. If you look at them from very far away, they almost have these tendril, filament-like web structure to them, uh, which is probably the result of, of, of an aspect of the Big Bang and our origins at the very beginning of the universe. But there are more galaxies than there are stars in our galaxy, and they are as far apart as the stars are in our galaxy. Um, and what's weird is that they can form structures. So if we look at this, this is a map of some of these galaxies. We're just looking out at one little section of the universe. And there's this big 
line in the middle called the Sloan Great Wall. And these objects are just loosely bound to each other in what's called a filament in the universe. And the Sloan Great Wall is uh, it's about 1 billion light years away and 10 billion light years across. It's 1 60th of the size of the entire universe that we can see. And it's structurally one thing, which is quite amazing. It would be really amazing, except that there's actually something even bigger than that, uh, which just baffles me. There's something called the Hercules Corona Borealis Great Wall. It's another great wall. Another giant filamentary structures, uh, 10 billion light years across. Sorry, I had the size wrong on the other one. This thing is one tenth the size of the observable universe. So if you take everything that can possibly be seen, 10% of it is this one structure which is just fantastic. That makes it, let me see if I've got some chalk here, uh, that makes it seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That's uh, seven trillion, seven billion trillion times bigger than the sun, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, so, but let's bring that back to you. Uh, there is one thing about you that I want you to take away from this. You may be only 1.75 meters or less tall, uh, but you are, as far as we know, the only thing in the universe capable of looking out at the universe and saying, oh, look, a universe. And you belong to a species that figured out all of this stuff over the last you know, 10,000 years, let's say. Um, and who knows what we'll do next. Landing on comets is just the start, really. So that's me done. Thank you.